Topic three, third paper of twentieth century Negro literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. Twentieth century Negro literature. Topic three second paper by sterling n brown how can the friendly relations now existing between the two races in the south be strengthened and maintained reverend sterling n brown was born in roan county east tennessee november twenty first eighteen fifty seven he attended the first free school ever taught in his county he entered fisk university nashville tennessee in eighteen seventy five and for some years during his terms of vacation taught school to provide the means with which to pursue his studies he was converted when quite a boy and has been able since almost continuously to lead men to christ he began to preach early after his conversion and many revivals have followed his ministry the first great awakening where under god he was the instrument was at kingston tennessee where every child in school of over one hundred in number became christians and when the whole town was stirred as never before many hardened sinners were brought to christ in the meeting several of the converts are now actively engaged in the ministry mr brown's acceptance as a preacher made it possible for him to spend the entire vacations of his last years at college in supplying the pulpits of his denomination in different parts of the south he graduated from the college course of Fisk University in 1885, and took the degree of A.M. in 1891. He is also a graduate from the Oberlin Theological Seminary with the degree of Bachelor of Divinity. He was called June 1, 1885, to the Mount Zion Congregational Church, Cleveland, Ohio, and was by that church ordained to the gospel ministry this church was composed of a few faithful but discouraged members they worshipped in a small frame chapel without either attraction or convenience soon the membership was increased the church took new courage and a great ingathering came the old building was torn away, and in its place a beautiful and convenient house of worship was erected. Mr. Brown served Mount Zion for nearly four years, when he accepted a call from the Plymouth Congregational Church, Washington, D.C., April 1, 1889. This church, under his pastorate for eight years, had a steady and most healthful growth. 
in january eighteen ninety seven he gathered about him a few leading men and women of the race and organized a church in northwest washington in the midst of a large unchurched population park temple the name of the new church at once took an important place in the community and its influence for good was felt far and near for five years the work grew and throbbed with life its lines of work so practical and successful awakened such an interest in an older sister church nearby that overtures were made for a union and so october first nineteen o one the lincoln church and park temple were merged into a new organization to be known as lincoln temple with the reverend mr brown as pastor the new institutional church with a large main building and a branch work gives promise of an unusual church movement the pastor of this church is one of the hardest worked men in the city he was for three years a most active and influential member of the washington board of education and has been for seven years and is yet professor in the theological department of howard university he is an able minister a good pastor and a practical man of affairs his long public life in the city has added to his influence and in every best sense he is still a growing man he is full of sympathy and helpfulness and so is continually drawn upon by all classes and conditions of people he is regarded highly by public men of both races for his conservative views good judgment and genuine public spirit mr brown is a tireless worker and one who looks always upon the bright side of things he has an ear to hear man but keeps also an ear attentive to the voice from the clouds when he has settled upon a plan no discouragement can change him once convinced of the righteousness of his course he pushes ahead with no wavering many a time in his works he seemed headed for a stone wall insurmountable and impassable but he went up to the wall with as much courage and faith as if there lay before him a beautiful green sward inviting to his sandal thus through the years of school life and the years of his active ministry he has gone forward any superficial or narrow view of the present conditions existing between the blacks and whites of this country will surely be discouraging it is a time for an unbiased comprehensive and discriminate study of the situation this i think will point to a basis of a coming final adjustment no people 
have ever achieved lasting distinction or greatness without hardships god's way of development seems to be through trial the negro has not been and will not be accepted in this regard the tests of life have been well borne by him and he has clearly demonstrated certain essential elementary characteristics from slavery is learned his amiability vitality and patient endurance and from freedom the spirit of hope forgiveness and his ability for the highest improvement at this time when the race problem is demanding renewed consideration we note with interest the extreme as well as conservative views the unfriendly discuss the negro in the light of his savagery his bondage and his mistakes they read history with their prejudice and not with their eyes just as white men candidly and otherwise hold their individual viewpoint on the subject so do colored men differ as to their opinions we too have extremists and conservatives among ourselves and friends this is what ought to be expected why should an intelligent colored man be different in his thoughts and conclusions from his white brother of equal intelligence what the american school and spirit do for the one may be expected for the other there are certainly strong grounds for extreme views and for even more extreme measures but who can rationally deny the wisdom of moderation and sensible counsel personally i cannot bring myself to accord with either one of these views the extremist spits fire swears vengeance and talks loudly he might offer his life as a sacrifice and yet he reckons without his host the conservative builds without hope is easily cast down and thoroughly pessimistic there is a middle ground that can and must be taken were it not that we have unshaken faith in the great heart of our american government we might like the captive jews hang our harps upon the willows and as if in a strange land find no song to sing the fact that the very warp and woof of american institutions are the eternal principles of right and justice encourages the hope that the incident of color race or previous condition cannot always be a bar to preferment an equal chance and fair play to all the citizens are absolute essentials to the continued life of a republic such as ours is to be it is in this self-evident truth that is found a sure ground of confidence upon this bedrock of america's boasted pride for interest in her humblest citizen may be built the superstructure of the future of the race
I do not share in any disparaging view of the ultimate outcome of conditions. The white man's attitude, north and south, towards the Negro, is now well defined. There is to be no more special legislation in his direct interest. He will be expected more than ever to weed his own row, and by self-endeavor continue to prove his right to be. It would be amusing, if it were not so serious, to find the various strange theories for the black man's future well-being deportation colonization and a voluntary political self-effacement have all been advocated there is much said and written that would imply the need of some special kind of training suited alone for the negro if he has any special need whatsoever above his brother in white it is due to mistreatment and not to natural conditions his phenomenal development along all lines indicates what is in him and what may be possible for him the race numbers from eight to ten millions pay taxes upon property to the amount of three hundred million dollars they have graduated from universities colleges high normal and professional schools about forty thousand there are in all grades from the common school up to about one and a half million pupils men of the race own and control about three hundred newspapers journals and periodicals this is substantial progress for only thirty-six years and yet this is no day for boasting or fine-spun flattery as long as the great bulk of the race are in abject poverty and ignorance and while more than a million of colored children of school age are not attending school for want of accommodation and the number increasing more rapidly than facilities for education and so long as the unsettled race question seriously agitates the american mind we do well to be deeply concerned but it is unreasonable and not helpful to be over alarmed it is time for the race to be sober and thoughtful and if present conditions bring this about a sure blessing will result among the mistakes of our years of freedom have been the surface view of life and an ever-present dependence upon politics and bygone friends the present shock from eliminating certain manhood rights in the southland necessarily creates a sensation but is also sure to quicken for us new life purpose and hope the negro question is only one aspect of america's larger problem can it be truthfully said that every worthy citizen shall have an equally fair opportunity in the race of life it seems to me clear that racial adjustment at the south 
may be reasonably hoped for when the parties most interested unite upon the spirit of the golden rule this and this alone will ensure friendly relationship the white man must make up his mind to be fair and just and to recognize the fact that the negro deserves a chance for the highest broadest and best possible life will the southern white man ever willingly accord this common right yes i think so but the alienation is not all on one side for thirty-six years the fact has been specially emphasized that the southern white man is the black man's enemy the result is a natural one antagonism and race friction have been large rather than lessened the time has fully come when the colored pulpit press and leadership throughout the country and specially in the south should seek to make friends of these people with whom the blacks must necessarily live we can not overestimate the value of education and the getting hold of homesteads in the progress of the race but these alone are not sufficient our churches must mean more for right living the sacredness of the home of the married life of honesty of integrity of uprightness and of right character must more than ever be impressed the churches must be more practical and less sentimental instead of encouraging late hours thus opening the evil way to our young and spending long seasons in mere shouts and gesticulations let there be training classes mothers and children's meetings and those with reasonable hours let our pulpits and press rebuke crime among us as well as away from us let us organize and encourage good citizenship committees in all our churches and in every community let us draw the line between the idle and industrious among us let us urge vagrant laws upon that set of men who will not work but form the criminal class in all our cities let us more than ever show ourselves ready to help rid the community of objectionable persons and places let us not say less if well said for right public sentiment must be made but let us do more there must be a steady use of yankee common sense it is not to be expected that the southern man's training relative to the negro can be readily displayed but having been born and reared under southern skies and for parts of ten successive years taught there is one country and having former slaveholders among some of my warmest friends i am prepared to believe that there is no innate hindrance to a life of peace between the races 
i cannot think that the best people of the south will long endure the savage methods of avenging their madness they must have a better second thought and will ultimately welcome the spirit of maintaining law and order withal there is but one way to settle the race question it must be squarely and justly met upon the uncompromising basis of right the negro is a human being with clearly demonstrated capabilities and it cannot be that the world's foremost nation will need to further climb the ladder of fame by keeping the foot of the strong upon the neck of the weak when men are possessed and led by the gospel of jesus christ then will there be peace and harmony and goodwill among all people they shall then neither hurt nor destroy it all his holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea god hasten that better day amen end of topic three third paper